0: Hey guys, so here we are, episode 14, and I've honestly been racking my brain the past like couple of weeks trying to figure out something to do as a thank you to all you guys that's been continually supporting and listening to Dear Black Girl. I do want to do an event with you guys, or for you guys at the top of the year. I'm just trying to figure out all the logistics for that, but it'll be something fun. Um, Today's episode is very good. They're always, always good, so that's <laughs> not me saying much, but you guys will really like this one as well. Um, so without further ado, dear black girl, meet Avery. Hey. How are you doing? I
1: am amazing. I'm ecstatic. I'm so happy to be here. Like, I'm just honored to be on this podcast. I've seen, like, the growth, and I'm just so happy to be here.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you
1: for creating this platform.
0: So we have to break down what it is you yeah. exactly do, because I know you started out, in video, and now you do PR. Right. And just give us a quick rundown.
1: All right. Really, really really quick. My original goal coming into the the industry was I wanted to be an A&R manager. That was it. Like That was all I wanted to do. And then I didn't get into a school like NYU um, because of finances, and I wanted to really do music business, so I didn't get the opportunity. So when I went to community college and Lehman College, the closest thing that was to the industry was – Media communication, mm-hmm. which then led me to understanding journalism, media, video, photography, the whole nine yards, just learning everything about media, videography and everything. So that's kind of how I got in is through um, just internships. I interned everywhere, worked for Bad Boy as an executive assistant operations. That was like my first real real industry job where I was like feeling like amazing because I had, you know, good money. You know, great people around me. I started from the bottom, and I worked my way up to that job. So that's how I kind of got my way in and kind of gained my respect, as you you may say. So then from there, I realized um, I started doing a lot of work in media, doing videos for different companies, different blogs. Um, I created my own blog, and I started meeting more people on carpets, more media outlets on carpets. And then that led me to say, hey, I got all these contacts. I can help people. So that's what happened. Um, I literally was able to use my skills to help people. And then I realized that um, I was really good at just helping people and bringing um, certain images to light, um, getting my clients awareness. So from there, I realized, okay, I can kind of get into PR. I didn't want to. (laughs) I didn't want to because it's a lot of hard work and I like it. But I'm like, wow, I got into something even harder than video. Like (laughs) what video, I can sit back and chill in my own space, listen to my own music, edit. Send it, export. I'm behind the desk, leave me alone. But now I kind of am behind the scenes but still in front of the scenes. So yeah, that's kind of how I got my start in PR. And my first client was a pop artist named Petra. And from there, once I was able to pull brands, I knew like, oh, I gotta do this. Cause I can get more contacts. I can I can make more money through like deals and and then it was pop. So it was different. Like I jumped right out the window. I was like, I gotta do something different. Just to see if I can really do this. I put myself to the test. Mm-hmm. a lot of the times, to make sure that I know, like, for reassurance that I'm on the right path. So that was my first real client for myself, for my own company. And then eventually started doing PR for Rough Fridays and other people. Um, another artist in Corey Finesse. And then I'm um, now Andrea Richel from his show, Power. So that's where I'm at.
0: PR, because I remember I started out in PR. I hated PR. I, like, I wasn't even
1: expecting this. I really wasn't expecting this. And it's just that, you know, I guess my contacts really, really allowed me to get through it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, knowing people like you, knowing other people, and just being able to say, like, all right, I can tell my client, this, this, this interview's going to happen, this one won't. And being able to just pull the strings and just help my clients out, I started feeling really good about just meeting my clients' goals, but also either, like, exceeding them or putting a little spin or twist on how I do things for them. I started feeling the love for it. Like, I started growing on me, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I kind of like this. So I'm, like, <laughs> running around, making sure clients is here on the carpet, um, making sure people are on time. And so I kind of fell in love with it eventually because I didn't know. It was, like, a, a gift that came to me. I didn't – I wasn't expecting it. I wanted to be an A&R. <laughs> Do you still want to be an A&R? Yeah, because I feel like as soon as I um, tackle this thing with PR and I get really, really closer to another – um, music opportunity, I think I'll be able to uh, do that because I'll be at a certain level where um, I'll be a little more respected. Uh, people will definitely trust my judgment and uh, I believe they already do, but I mean even it'll be even stronger if I continue to prove myself that I can do this one thing and do it well. So, um, yeah, I mean we know, we know so many people in the industry that has independent labels that just got signed to whatever Atlantic or RCA, whatever.
0: So, you know, it's so something that I can tap back into, definitely. So what's been one of the, like, hardest hurdles you've had to tackle thus far oh. in your journey?
1: Um, it's recent, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, no. Well, I'll, I'll give the most recent. The other one is just, I, I, got, I got past that. But most recent was a client from a totally different background, um, a client from India, um, dealing with uh, trying to convey his story and make it relatable to Americans, um that that this has been the most toughest like the toughest campaign I have ever worked on, because not only am I jumping out the window, but I'm also trying to bring this person into a market that he's never touched before, and he really wants it, and it's like I'm like, oh I, I got you, but it's like wait like let's 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 backtrack why are you doing this? What's your story? Why should people care about you like I have to now like dig deeper than I ever dug with any other client before and really rebuild this brand up and then hit PR. And that's was not my job, but because this person is a great person and I, I, I like the vision and I want to definitely, of course, stay in different markets. I don't want to just stay in urban. Um, it was difficult. It's been difficult, but it, now I'm, I'm actually okay with those hurdles because it makes me stronger. It makes me quicker. Um, it keeps me... Um, prepare for anything else that may come. So, yeah, I mean, that's been the hardest because, again, like I said, he's Indian. Um, He, like, raps things. So it was like, our rapper's going to respect you. Our singer's going to respect you. It's like, and then it's like, you're Indian. So what's happening here? Like, you know, so <laughs> that can... So now I have to kind of work with this person and get him the push that he deserves and he needs to uh, pursue his dreams. So, and I like helping people out pursuing their dreams because I have my own dreams, too, so... Always gonna have
0: like genuine help. So let's backtrack to like your blog that you created when you started. Like how where'd you, where'd you see it going? First of all, I
1: at some point like the the, the blog was called Domineer Media. At some point, we were secretly competing with the Shade Room on Instagram <laughs> for all our Instagram posts. Shout out to the Shade Room now because they're like amazing. Um, but then like everything went left. I started the um the company with like three of my other friends. It didn't work out. We had differences. And it's and it's been a, a, a beautiful journey to get past that as well because you learn that sometimes you got to keep your friendships friendships and you got to separate it everything. And you, sometimes you can't do business with friends. And it's okay. And it's okay. You got to feel good about knowing that. Sometimes you got to just do your own thing. And your friends just need to really be there to support what your dreams are. Not everyone share the same dreams as you do. So you cannot like assume that someone's going to work as hard as you. And that's what it was. I felt like I was really, really working so hard. And I had this vision for something. But nobody else had that same vision. So I didn't want to continue um, stressing myself out over something that I really couldn't control. Because it's something that we all have parts to. So, yeah. But, yeah, it it was a great blog. I saw it, like, being big. I felt like it was competing with the shade room. I knew it was going to get big. But it's just, like I said, like, the differences and things coming in the middle of what was really important messed it all up, but it got me here. So,
0: I feel like that's dope because, like, a lot of people they start out in one area and then life just takes them through different, like, different avenues within like the career space they want to be in, mm-hmm. and like that's like everyone's story. Like, yeah, I wanted to start here and start doing this, but then like I started doing this, and now I'm here doing
1: this. Right, right, and that's like that's the beauty of entertainment. It's because you can actually, even though people are like you know focus on one thing and. You do. You eventually do. Like, like, you know, you you got to kind of try to figure out, like, okay, what am I great at? What, I'm, what am I good at? And what am I okay at? You know, and leave the okay and the good. And what you're great at, you focus on. And then you're now great at something. And now you can focus on what you're good at and become great at that. And, you know, it's like time periods. So I feel like I'm in this time period of PR and eventually management in a sense because then sometimes um, – managers aren't good managers and so then it's like okay Avery you know what you're doing so manage me real quick and it's like oh I can't can't do both but you know I said eventually not right now but eventually it will lead to that where I can hire more more PRs um that could work with my business and I could just hire them and focus on what I want to focus on too so that's the goal I want to hire people I want to create jobs and um you know just push everyone to make their dreams come true. Because this industry, I think we all know why we're doing this. It's because we don't want to just work a regular nine to five. We don't want to uh, be at a hospital, you know, trying to fix things that, you know, that may harbor on us if we can't, you know, save someone's lives. Like, we know that we love just entertainment, the fast life, the, the feeling of just hearing a new song and you know, like, that song is going to blow. I know. Because all those excitement things is the reason why I think we do what we do. You know, so just for the love of like entertainment, I think is a great thing to you know to have a career and it's, it's hard, but it's also rewarding at the end because you can do a lot as yourself as an independent person in in entertainment.
0: Let's get into song number five.
1: Okay, right, I'm excited about this right now. I'm <laughs>
0: hype. So I'm gonna bring up song
1: number five. Song number five for me would be the locks while out. Um, the reason being is because I felt like at a point in time in my life, I felt like I was wild <laughs> and I felt like that's what made me like figure out like, okay, Avery, you got to like bring it back. Like you're running around in the Bronx, like, you know, you can't do this. You got to get your life together. And I was, um, like in what I was 16, 17. I'm mean, even though, even though that, that song was out already, but that was a time that I feel like represents me at the time, was the wild-out phase. I remember at that time, even though the song was out already, a lot of, like, parties was happening when we were in high school. You know, you went to more parties and little fun things with your friends, with your female friends, your high school friends. You hung out, you went to parties, whatever. That song was a a party song that a lot of me and my friends came together as groups and just wanted to just show off and just be a little, just be divas and just run around Bronx and Harlem. Like, it just was... I, I don't want to consider myself ratchet, but it was a ratchet time, <laughs> and I don't want to go back there. So, the
0: locks, while out, now, five. No, if you think back, everyone has, like, their ratchet phase. It's, like, levels to ratchetness, but, like, I used to, like, sit back and, like, I really like stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. Is that ratchet? And then, like, I'm, I'm thinking back and looking at, like, some shows, like... One show that makes me laugh when I look back at it. It's a proud fan It's like, yo, she was like low key ratchet. She was, he ratchet. ratchet. she was, she was, was, ratchet. was, and remember her, her, her chubby friend, like, yeah, she would go, oh, DJ Nay yeah, was yeah, all the way was definitely ratchet. ratchet. <laughs> and I'm
1: like, that I mean, imagine growing up and being a big girl like me, and you're seeing like that, you know, perception of a big girl. Like, it's just think about it, you went through a lot growing up in our era in our generation. Yeah, it's true, it's levels to ratchet. Yeah, so, she's so like,
0: what, what was that point where you're like,
1: you know what, I have to grow out of this? It was when my mother and my father just made an intervention and sat me down in the middle of the room. <laughs> oh, you room. were that wild. <laughs> they were like, um, Avery, you have to graduate high school. And you know this. You're smart. There's no reason why you're cutting you're cutting school. Why are you cutting class? What are you doing? You know." And it was just like, um, all right, Avery, you're way better than this. And it was to the point where like, I wasn't even that bad because there's people that was worse than me mm-hmm. that were around me. But it was to the point where my, my parents was like, "Listen, no, you have two parents here. Like, what you're bugging? No, you are, you are successful. You're not going through this. You have to be better than us. And there should be no reason why you're making us look crazy. We raised you better than this. Like, you know, it was like that type of thing where you had to like take it back and say, Avery, you're better than this. So, but yeah, that was that time. And actually, I was always like extra active in high school, elementary school. Like, I created my own cheerleading squad in elementary school. My own step team in high school, created my my own dance team. I was always like a leader and doing things. I just think that at a certain time, as I got older, I kind of was a little careless.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So that's when it was just like Avery, like no, like you're smart, like you do a lot, you you have a lot of extracurriculars underneath your belt. There should be no reason why you're like not excelling. Like what's going on? So then from there, I was great and I got through, graduated high school, (laughs) and went to college of course and. It's been great ever since. <laughs> so, yeah, wild out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's go back to Bad Boy. Like, you're, uh, okay, so you're a second guest that worked for um, Bad Boy Entertainment. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things you learned while being there?
1: I've learned to make no excuses. Like, and that is so, like, I guess cliche or whatever. I don't know, but it's just for me, there was no excuse with working for Diddy. Like, he was very clear on you so said you couldn't do what? You can't make what happened. It didn't even was it. It was like the the trickle down effect of like whoever was working underneath him directly with him or whatever. They also passed on that same like energy that Diddy had. And bitch was just like, "What? Like you have to get this done by any means necessary." So I think that's that's what kind of like kept me going is knowing that I worked for this big mogul that I felt like even myself like he may see me and remember my face, but he don't know me like that. But I can't let him down because I feel like I'm still an attachment of that. And I've learned I've been there for three years and um, being in Bad Boy for three years. That was the longest I've been in a company and actually excelled in and had like three different jobs. And so I just yeah, like I learned a lot at Bad Boy because I was also like in operations, So I dealt with just six of his companies dealing with all his entities from different levels from Revolt, Sean, John. the Rock, whatever, and then, of course, then we merged into to Tequila at the time. So it was, um, it was an amazing experience. I should say that the one thing is no excuses. And when I was twelve years old, I was a part of um, Daddy's House Charities, which was Diddy's charity program in Harlem. And the year two thousand, I think two or two thousand and three, he was running a marathon, and they had like a quote for me in, in the New York Times. And it, I said that, like, you know, Diddy inspires me. I was 12 years old. Like, Diddy inspires me. I think what he's doing for the community is great. If he's giving back, he should definitely give back to his program. I was just, like, power to Diddy at 12 years old. And I told myself, ever since then, I'm going to work for Diddy. And I did. So, I think, like, I feel like I met my little, like, my goal. I was like, yes, I did it. I Yeah, it. like,
0: life came full circle. Yeah, real life, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm
1: like, yes. And it was, like, 10 years later. I'm like, yes, girl, you did it. So... Yeah, like I was always like into entertainment, always inspired by Diddy because I felt like he was someone that was like a one band man type of one stop shop type mm-hmm. of deal. Like he was the dancer. He was the rapper, singer. He would make the beat, produce the beat with you. He'll tell you no. He'll let you know if you fly, you do not fly. Like that's like me, but I'm not Diddy yet. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, like I grew up dancing and everything. So yeah, I, I definitely look up to Diddy. Um, So I do feel like I learned a lot. His business, and just of course wanting to learn, coming in there wanting to learn is what allowed me to even learn even more. You know, I didn't know everything. I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't trying to be a know it all in the office. It was just like an opportunity to kind of grow as an entrepreneur too. Because now I I, I see what it takes. That's what Diddy definitely um, instilled in us. And he oh he also um, Diddy also had a quote where it was like, "Do you want to be like a pigeon or do you want to be like an eagle?" Y'all let me know now, cause I'm not a pigeon. Like, I'm an eagle, you know. And I was—it was something along the lines. of either, either, it was either an eagle or a falcon. I don't remember, but it was a a better bird than a pigeon. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Literally, that statement, I just felt like an extra heat underneath my my seat. Like, whatever you need, what you need, boss. All right, cool, got you, whatever. And that was my first time. I had to really just humble myself and say, like, this is an amazing experience. Just take everything in.
0: Song number
1: four. Song number four would have to be Brown Skin by Indy And the reason is because, you know, I was never, you know, I always grew up being brown skin and a lot of times that, you know, I grew up in the Bronx so, um, you know, there's a lot of Spanish girls around. So, you know, growing up brown skin, it was like, you know, people made fun of darker girls than me. So I also still felt like I was relatable in a sense to like just being a black woman and knowing that It's okay to love the skin you're in, the skin that you're going to eventually grow into and be proud of who you are, your afro, your naps, your whatever you want to call it. You know, be happy and proud. I also grew up just being, you know, a young chubby girl um, in the Bronx. So I I dealt with a lot of, you know, bullying and things like that. So um, I think that song kind of made me feel proud, like, that I'm black and that I'm a woman and I deserve to be treated with with respect. And it just helped me gain a lot of confidence. But shout out to Indy Irie. Like, she's amazing. Whoever wrote that song, you guys did a great job. Thank you.
0: So let's talk about instilling confidence because there are a lot of young black girls and black women that they don't have that type of confidence within themselves.
1: I know. It's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of them.
0: How did you go about building your confidence and what advice would you give them?
1: Well, for me... I feel like if you don't know your talents or your gifts, you won't be able to gain any confidence. That's just in my opinion. That's not true. Maybe not true. But for me, what happened for me is I gained confidence in dancing, I gained confidence in performing, singing, writing songs, creating things with people, um, being a leader. So, kind of honing into my skills allowed me to be confident in a particular area of my life. So, I might have not been the class beauty queen or whatever, or the class queen, but I was that class that that person that was very vital in the classroom that made sure things were happening. You know, if the teacher needed help or whatever, I was that person that was there. Or if I needed to, like, you know, yell at some other girl for teasing another girl, I would do that because I know that how much people would do that for me. You know, so um, I just think you have to really know your skills and grow into um, loving those things that you're able to provide to the world. And I think that you will love yourself even more because you know your strength, and understanding what your strengths are, I think will kind of help you gain confidence. And then you, as well, um, just looking yourself in the mirror and really loving yourself, even taking your clothes off and looking at yourself in the mirror helps you love you. So those things, I think, help me love who I am. And then, of course, finding great people around you that want to help you look good, too. Like, have that friend that's like, girl, let's go get our makeup done. Or, hey, girl, let's get our nails done. You know, find people that actually want to look good as well as feel good on the, in, in the inside because that will also um, pass on to you. You know? Because there are some friends that will see lipstick in your teeth and not say nothing. Like, girl, you're you not <laughs> going to tell me this? You got me out here looking crazy. Right. <laughs> That's messed up. So it's just finding people that are just interested in just like looking good themselves, feeling good themselves, and it, it, it will pass on to you. And, and as long as they love you for who you are, you love you for who you are. Uh, you'll gain that confidence. It's a, it's an ongoing process. It's like, you know, I know there's many people that are 50 years old that are still growing to love themselves or are now loving themselves. So it's an ongoing process, I think, for loving yourself and trying your best to not be insecure and being confident and knowing that you are valuable to this world. Because it's, it's, it, it can, it can kind of be a thing where, as a young woman, a black young woman, you may see yourself in the shadow. You don't know how to be be bold enough because you, you're also told that you may do too much or, you, or you're too outspoken. So now we're in a time where, because, you know, we grew up in, like, the 90s, early 2000s, so that was that era. But now it's like, you know, they have social media, they can kind of be bold and do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But now it's just like bullying is just out of control. That's the key. Yes. Bullying is out of control. So I think now, bullying is worse, I think, now. But I think we got to, the younger the younger generation has to be more open to, respecting everyone for what they can actually provide to the world, like, and also loving people for what they are doing and how they're um, helping people in the world. I just feel like helping people and being a great person, all those different things, good people will then surround you. So a lot of the times, people that are getting bullied or people that are insecure about things, they're around the wrong people. You're around the wrong people, and you feel inferior. You shouldn't have to feel like that when you're around a so-called friend. Or you're around a so-called boyfriend. Or you're around your so-called sister or whatever. You might have to leave your sister alone. You know, that family rivalry is real, too. So you need to just definitely keep yourself around positive people. So that's how I think you should gain confidence.
0: Song number three. Song number
1: three. It would be, all right, so kind of, it would be DMX slipping. I am a huge fan of DMX. So when I had the opportunity to even, like, work for the Rough Artists reunion tour as a publicist, I was like, wait, I fell in love with hip hop because of DMX and now I get to work around this. This is like, yo, everything's coming around full circle. <laughs> yes, Avery, you're doing it. Um, yeah, like DMX slipping. I think that was a song that DMX just poured his heart into and like the the beat, the background singing, the song for slipping, the video, like you I can still see the video in my head, the DMX video slipping, you know, with him with his Tims and it's just like red and yeah like DMX is one of my favorite artists I feel like he speaks with so much conviction and he's very clear on what he's saying he understands why he means what he says and I feel that's like very important and um he's a true rapper lyricist and hit maker he's everything that you can ever think of in one type of rapper you can think of you know and DMX is someone that doesn't hold back that's why he's like where my dog's at like Ugh. like he just he's ready to attack anything because he's so hurt. And I think that's what um, how I was growing up. I was very um, aggressive. I remember being five years old as little boy um, in kindergarten, said, you fat, and I just decked him. Like I just like, and I was like, wow, I'm really I'm really in this like aggressive phase because of someone bullying me. And then ever since then, I didn't I would I would never do that again. I would just not allow someone to actually get me out of character. But I was only five years old, and I was hurt. Like I was like, wait, what? And I knew he wasn't going to do anything, so I just, I just hit him <laughs> anyway. I know he was not about that life. So, <laughs> so. but anyway, like I said, my past was my past. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, I think, like, bullying and all that stuff, I, I felt it. And I'm an advocate of, you know, going through your ups and downs, which is why DMX Slippin' is um, definitely a, a record that represents everyone, and especially young black women. You may feel like you're slipping, you're falling, but you got to get up. You got to get up. You, it, and, and I had to tell myself yesterday, like, Avery, whatever brings you whatever brings you down, you cannot cry today. I'm a cancer. I'm a crier. Yeah, me too. I'm a cancer. <laughs> I'm like, I would cry. about
0: anything. Yes, I would cry.
1: I cried about the Lion King, girl. Like, <laughs> yeah. when my God died in Lion King, I was so mad. Um, but yeah, so literally, you know, I had to get stronger and say, Avery, you're not crying. You're going to hold back these tears. You're going to get through the day. And you have no choice but to get up you have no choice but to prove to yourself first, and then the world will obviously see what you're doing and what you're planning on um, on completing. So, yeah, I think that record slipping is like a, a testament to just perseverance and not allowing things to get you down just because um, someone may not like you or may not like how you are or may not like the way you do business or may not like the way you speak or whatever it is. So it's like you can't allow nobody to make you feel like you're slipping at all, because at the end of the day, all you have is you, and you have to make sure that you secure yourself, you secure the bag for you, and you cannot allow nobody to take what you have going for you, um, and and try to like change it up and make you seem like you're, you're not somebody that you really are. Like, so basically for me, that record DMX Slippin' is a record that I think helped me get through a lot at a young age. I didn't, I didn't understand. Eventually I understood as I got older and really continued to listen to the record. But yet that record I knew off back was just a positive a positive record for even DMX. I was happy to see him in that light, like, in a smooth R and B up tempo and just lyrical poetry and just speaking everything that he went through in that one record. I think that record is just a great record for him too. And me. He helped me out. <laughs> but yeah, slipping DMX.
0: Have you ever um experienced that where you like heard of someone that's trying to like block your blessing. Like no one can really block your blessing, but Absolutely. Absolutely. It was after Bad Boy. How did you get through that? And like what is what was it if you want to share what it was?
1: Um basically eventually that person that was trying to block my my blessing also blocked them their own blessings because that particular person that ran, ran back and told me felt like that person was kinda corny for doing that. So I actually don't respect them. They may think that I'm cool, but I actually don't like that. So it showed this person's character. So it, at first I was hurt. Because I'm a cancer. But other than, that, <laughs> other than that, I didn't really care. Because I felt like there's more people in the industry that feel like this about me. That one particular person or that one particular situation won't ever hold me back. Because I do too much good that outweighs anything negative that this one person is saying that nobody can agree with. So you know, sorry you had to feel that way, but everyone feels differently, so, you know, kudos to you for trying to be a hater one time, but I'm alright. <laughs> I'm still persevering through, you know, so, yeah, you're gonna find those moments where people may wanna, you know, speak badly of you, or maybe just don't know you, and they just don't care, and they just wanna just do whatever, but, yeah, I got through it because I realized, eventually, um, in the long run, that this particular person's character was not respected by the person that it was delivering a message to. And that person then delivered the message back to me and was like, oh, this is what this person is doing, this is what this person said, but guess what? This is what I thought about this, because I know you. And like, wait, what really happened? Now, now the person trying to dig deep, but like, wait, what's, what's going on? There's always two sides to the story and the truth. So
0: that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and what advice should we give to kids today that are getting bullied? Because I know, like, I've seeing seen this one story about a kid, he had to be like seven or eight years old and I guess he was getting bullied a lot that he like took his own life and to be that young and that's a thought that you can't live past this. I would
1: tell um, any child to tell someone, if you don't feel comfortable talking to your mother, because maybe he, you may feel like she might beat you, but like, you know, all the, I don't know what happens, everybody's life is different. Um, or if you need to speak to your sister, maybe speak to her. If you can't speak to anybody in your family, speak to a teacher, speak to a counselor. Um, speak to your your basketball coach, speak to your gym teacher, speak to someone else outside of your personal home that you may feel like may, may want to react to what you say because it might be affecting them because they might feel that they're probably causing that. So not everyone wants to feel like they're to, they're to blame for why another person is feeling this way because you're just brought into this life and you don't know how life is going to go. And your parents are trying to do the best that they can, supposedly, so there's just hoping that i'm taking my kid to school i'm coming back home i'm, I'm providing a roof and we have food uh you, you know you you have clothes your everything is you know provided for you and i'm trying to help you out the best way i can um but again there's certain things that parents i feel like should also take in um that if you see a child just closing the doors or not trying to uh talk to you it's very standoffish and all those type of things those are red flags. Those are signs that your child needs to be speaking to. So you might need to go see a family therapist. That yeah, Those things, especially in our black community, they are very scared to do or, or they shy away from. But it's very important to go see a therapist. I'm making my appointment soon because I, I think that it's very important. Because we go through post-traumatic stress and things that happen and that pass along to your, to your child. And then we also have mental health issues. That's a big thing in the black community that we're not speaking of as much about. And you don't know if your child is going through a bipolar situation. You don't know. You don't. He's never been speaking to anyone to even know what's really going on in his mind. So, yeah, I think it's necessary for both parties, both parents and the child, to um, speak up. And I do feel like as a child, you don't really know. So as a mother or father, you have to pull your kid aside and do that proper evaluation that you need to do. And a lot of parents don't want to read parenting books. Why not? Read some parenting books. See the signs. Figure it out. Because this is somebody that you're bringing into this world and I have to then carry on your legacy. So, why not? So, that's my perspective on it. With just bullying and just um, overall just signs of depression and just dealing with children that are going through mental health. Because I'm also a substitute teacher for special needs for the Department of Education. That's my other job. my hustle. <laughs> So, I, I'm certified in teaching and and, and speaking about this particular topic so i see it all the time i, I deal with it all the time i deal with like the so-called kids that are bad supposedly right but they're not they're getting somebody else to talk to you know the little five-year-old that i like, I got, that i punched <laughs> that was a sign of this person is is hurt on the inside because hurt people hurt people so i've learned that you know so i think that at five or even up to, like, at least 15, 16. You kind of don't know what you're doing, but you do what you don't. But parents and family and things like that is what's um, valuable and to help make those changes so you can, you know, eventually get over it. So, yeah, not really get over it, but overcome the feelings of, you know, being bullied and wanting to kill yourself or your depression and mental health. Definitely speak up, go see a therapist, and it's okay to... Um, understand what issues you have because you now have to deal with those things around the working environment, around other people. You now have to work with other people. So you need to know what your limits are when working with people. If you have an issue, if you know that you have a bad temper problem and things like that, you now know you might need to walk out of the room because somebody might might have pissed you off. You, You need to know where your mental health is. You have to know. So I think it's very important.
0: Why do you think mental health is such taboo within our community?
1: I think mental health in general is kinda taboo, uh, but especially in the black community, because I think that we went we go through things as that's just how that person is. And that's just not that's not right. That's not the truth. Like, mm-hmm. black <laughs> person went through something. So he's now acting out this way. That's why. So I think that's what it is. I think we just kinda like brush past things like, Oh, that's just how it is. Like, that's that's what it is. And that's not the truth. And we, I think that we are afraid of the truth sometimes. So I think that's kind of the reason why. Even if you just see, like, a family member going crazy or a crackhead in the street or something like that, like, in the urban communities, you know, no, that person is going through some mental issues and they need help. So, yeah, that's what I think. Song number two, right? Two, right? Yeah, we, we did three, we did three. Um, um Song number two would be I'm going to try to get as dark as I can and and bring this interview back up again. Um, Vivian Green, Emotional Roller Coaster. Aw. Yes. Oh, my God. When I, like, got my feelings hurt in life and I thought I really liked this guy and then he, like, didn't like me because I was big and stuff, I was like, wait, what? This song was, like, everything. It's secretly in between Dangerously in Love by Beyonce or that Uh one. But Emotional Roller Coaster was the best because I loved the bridge. I was trying to sing that high note that Vivian Green did at the end. Uh-huh. That, you know that that note? That, yes. Uh-huh. Yes, Vivian. I love that record. And shout out to Vivian. Her song is nice out right now that she has. But yeah, Vivian Green, Emotional Roller Coaster. I felt like as a female growing up, you know, I just, I thought that it was okay to want to feel loved by another man. But I really need to love myself. I needed to not be in an emotional roller coaster because you need to be loving yourself and no man will love you as much as you can love you. And if no man is, and another thing is if um, if somebody can't treat you better than how your father treats you, you should not take that man. So that's how I look at it. And, you know, being raised by my father and my mother, my father for sure told me if a guy not treating you like how I'm treating you, don't want him. He's not going to do good by you. He's not going to do right. So, yeah, I think um, that record is just like, just me and my, it's just, learning love and learning how I want to be loved and learning that love is great, but not everyone's going to love you the way that you expect for them to love you. So only you know how to love you. So, yeah.
0: So was that, like, the was that situation, what kind of, like, defined your take on love and, like, how you're supposed to, like, proceed when dealing with the opposite partner?
1: No, I guess for me personally, it was, like, this guy I already loved, I had a crush on, and I just felt like he hurt me, and I was just... That record was just, like, eventually I thought at times this person really liked me. And then, no, he didn't. I found that he didn't. He would go date somebody else. And this was, like, I was, like, 11, 12. I was young.
0: Oh, you know. like but,
1: puppy love. Yeah, it was like puppy love. And, but I remember that feeling because mm-hmm. I really liked this person. And this person was um, a part of my life for a long time. So then I've learned, like, wait, this person does not love me. So it's just, like, heartbreak, you know? It was, like, that, Dangerously in Love, and then Heartbreak Hotel. Like, those three records? Those records got you through it? (laughs) Yeah, they got me through it! Uh, Whitney, rest in peace, my girl. So, yeah, so I think those records um, are what made me feel like, you know, even, like, waiting to exhale, like, all those moments of, like, just women just saying, like, you hurt me, like, what? Like, that was that feeling for that record, Emotional Roller Coaster.
0: Do you feel like people don't realize how much they love someone until, like, they experience that type of hurt.
1: Absolutely. And then I think what's great about those moments is that you actually learn to love yourself more after that, after the heartbreak. And then secondly, you sometimes get to learn that that really wasn't love. Like, you love them, but they ain't love you. They just liked you or they thought you was cool. (laughs) (laughs) They thought you was cool. You wasn't really all that for them. So you start to learn, like, the the different languages of, of how... Love um, is perceived. Do you know about the five um, signs of a love love language?
0: No. I I forgot a few,
1: but I do know it's gifts. Uh Uh-huh. They have to give you gifts. Like if you, like let's say, I don't know, if a guy gives you gifts, would you like that? Yeah.
0: Like what girl wouldn't? Right.
1: Some girls (laughs) girls are giving guys gifts. Yeah. I know a girl that's giving their boyfriends, you know. Air, Air Force Ones, Jordan sneakers, I'm and, and Minks coats. I'm like, girl, I would never do that. I'm sorry. And He's not given up anything or something, but I'm not getting you
0: clothes. And they've and they've never given him her anything in return. Sometimes they don't.
1: You know how some guys are like the like the user guys, The mm-hmm. user type. So whatever. Anyway, the whole point is gifting. Um, then it's also um, affirmations, like just when someone says, "Hey, Yuni, you're beautiful." You know, thank you for coming. Like you know, like that type of like. His reassurance that that's your man, like that type of stuff, and then like physical touch—that's another sign. So you know, I've I've learned eventually through time how I like to be loved, and that particular record didn't teach me that, but I think it also made me feel that that pain, and made me feel like, all right, when I'm actually in this hurtful feeling, what actually like makes me happy, and these are the things that make me happy that I would like to have.
0: So yeah why is it that sad heartbreak songs make us so bad? Yeah. I never understood That's that. That's weird. I, I don't like, know. Like, you're so, like, distraught, and so you just, throw on like, even a more fucked up song. and like, yeah. now you're starting to feel better, and I was like, what type of reverse right. it psychology? Is. It is. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, yeah, they were doing some things in the early 2000s with, with them R&B love songs. They was doing it. They were doing it big. I love it. So, yeah, that was the time that, Everyone wanted to be in a relationship, you know? That's when Valentine's Day was just, like, now I feel like Valentine's Day is, like, not Whatever, the same. yeah. Back in 2000, early 2000s, it was like, yo, you going on Valentine's Day, you know, you you getting gifts, you getting, like, flowers in your in your classroom, you getting heart candies, you know? <laughs> That's how it was back in the day. Now it's, like, people are like, what? Love? Come on. I don't need that. It's like, what? So, yeah, I just learned to just figure out how I want to be loved
0: why do you think people are like a little disdain on the idea of love? Like, mm, I ain't got time for that.
1: It's an emotional roller coaster. You don't <laughs> want to keep going through that? You don't want to keep going through that and then you and then you and then you're like not even focused on what you really love and how and how you know and then of course you start to learn that you don't already know yourself eventually. I mean, I'm twenty eight, so it's different now. But at like twenty one I didn't know how I wanted to be loved. And mm-hmm. I and I kinda wanted love. I was in a relationship with someone but now, at like 26, 27, 28 now, I was just like, what? I don't need this. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need this at all because you are so focused. There's so many other things that you feel like you need to accomplish that love won't help you accomplish.
0: But I feel like whenever you do love someone, the person you love, they have to add to and help like build upon what you accomplish. Like If the person mm-hmm. you're with doesn't help or build upon it, there's no... It's, that's only becoming a distraction. It doesn't help you.
1: That's what it is. And then, then it's like when you get in relationships, you might end up getting in a bad one. You might get in a relationship where someone might be just um, abusive in terms of um, verbal abuse. A person might bring you down verbally. Like, "Oh, why are you going out to that event for? You don't keep coming back home this late? Like, no, like, I don't need that. Like, you know, I'm going out to the RCA Records party. I'll be back home at 1 o'clock. Like, what's going on? Oh, you're going to go talk to some industry dudes. I know you're going to get... No, that's not the case. I'm going to work. Like, so you can't be with somebody that's going to be, like, the total... Like, it's okay to be opposite, but you do want somebody that's understanding because that verbal abuse is, like, worse than anything because you just have to just deal with that pressure of, like, trying to please somebody that he's really the unsatisfiable. He won't be satisfied until you're home not doing nothing, and that's not me. I'm moving <laughs> and shaking i'm making moves you know i'm I'm at the office over here i'm on, i'm in the i'm on the i'm on the train i'm 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 getting a car into i'm moving around like so I wouldn't get in a relationship that would like uh disable me in a sense like I can't do that
0: so what's your advice for like women are are in relationships that disable and hinder them from, like... I think you need to have a
1: a really serious conversation with yourself and say, what do you see for yourself in the future? And if it is a husband there, what would it take for him to understand what your needs are? And if he doesn't understand, what are you willing to compromise to also give him what he wants? And the same with that question, you gotta ask him. (laughs) Because... He 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 shouldn't um he shouldn't like want to see you down at all, and just because you are in a rough place, he shouldn't like beat you up even more. Or even if you're, you're at your highest point and you're so busy, he shouldn't be running around cheating on you just because you're unavailable. You know he needs to be trying to figure out a way like, well, I'm picking you up from that event, okay? Wait, you got a plus one? Let me just go real quick. I can come a little later. I won't you know, cramp your style, but I'll just come in an hour before it ends so you can see me and I'll drop you back home. Like, it has to be some type of partnership thing going on in order for it to be sustainable. Like, you shouldn't feel like this person is, like, making you feel bad for doing what you love to do. And, of course, bringing food to the table, bringing money to the household, or bringing income for yourself. So, no one should ever make you feel bad about your, your work at all.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Song number one. Song number one. Oh, okay. Song number one would have to be, it's not a song that everyone knows. It's not like a big song, but it's called um, Aunt Jackie from Jason Fox.
0: <laughs> I know that. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, that's such a New York song. <laughs> it's a very New York song, and I have some real good history on that. So that's the why Aunt Jackie um, from Jason Fox. What's <laughs> special about that song? Well, that was a... Uh, Maybe, like, my second time that I was actually a part of a music video. And then from there, like, everybody in my family and, um, like, even friends from, like, camp, from, like, Massachusetts and different states, family from all over. was like, Avery, I see you on TV. I see you <laughs> on BET. I see you on MTV. I see you dancing. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Um, that was because I was a part of that dance team. It was called Hood Presidents. Mm-hmm. Please excuse the ratchet. I told you, 16, 17 was real <laughs> for me. But it also, it helped me, though. Um, so yeah, I was a part of that dance team growing up in Harlem in the Bronx and I was just doing a lot of chicken noodle souping, a lot of Harlem shaking and a lot of Aunt Jackie movements, and that kinda helped me uh build my name in the community of Harlem and the Bronx, which even kinda circles back to the people that were like rappers and singers at the time that are that were and that are doing what they're doing and are now relevant in the industry now because we all kind of came up together. And so each other's growth and knew, like, okay, you were doing this before. So now it makes sense. Like, you like to do this type of thing. You, you like to work. You like to dance. You like to be around this. So I get it. So, I mean, that was a very, like, very, like, valuable part of my life because I love to dance. I love to perform. And I was I had the opportunity to just do what I love for a friend. And, I, like, I heard the beat before everybody. I felt so invested in this In a situation because he called, um, Jason Fox, he called me. He was like, Yo, sis, listen to this beat. What you think? And I was like, Denton, hey, Denton. I said, I like it. Yes, yes. And then um, my other friend, I did tap dancing with him. He was in the video. Shout out to Cartier. Um, So it was just like a community of like dance people with like producers, upcoming producers. Shout out to Black the Beast. He made the beat and he's doing great things right now in the music industry. Um, And then it kind of it's like a little connection, and it kind of like related to us growing up and actually like doing what we love to do. So I felt like that was a very like important time in my life that I was able to kind of build with people that were like-minded people that I didn't have to like get into beef with. I didn't have to, you know, it was me and a bunch of other girls just dancing and having a good time in parties, but also like getting, you know DJs, getting, you know dances, learning how to do party promotions learning how to do, like, teen parties and what it takes to make money from at, the, at from tickets. And, you know, so that's what that era was for me. It was some Avery and her grind at a baby version of what I am now. Like, mm-hmm. that's what that era was for me. So, yeah, shout-out to
0: Aunt Jackie, Jason Fox. Go oh, check out that video. It's still on YouTube. <laughs> it's you guys on... <laughs> think the song was going to, like, be that big? We knew. You know We knew. Only
1: reason because we we, we were doing the On Jackie before the song came out. Uh-huh. It was a dance before the song. And then we was like, if Chicken Noodle Soup can come out, we can come up with Aunt Jackie. What do you mean? <laughs> like, Chicken Noodle Soup with a soda on the side? There's no way we can't do this record. So I think um, Jason Fox knew that. I might even be trying to, like, give Jason so much props, but shout out to you, Jason. <laughs> um, but no, um, yeah, that was um, a beautiful time in my life because I was able to just be me. Like, I was around a whole bunch of, like, mixed people and mixed crowds, like boys, girls, and we all just loved dance. We all loved music at a time where hip-hop, music, and dance came together, like, effortlessly. And that was that era, you know, for me. So,
0: yeah. Do you feel like as you get older, it's, ho- it's harder or is it easier to, like, to be, like, full of yourself?
1: I think it's periods where you got to turn yourself on and off. I think that I, at that time of the Aunt Jackie period, <laughs> <laughs> I was solely myself and solely Avery, but I also was lost. So I was that little black girl that had the skills, knew her passion, but was lost, like, in a sense. And I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. I just not loved it. So I was being true to myself, but I wasn't really aware as I should have been of myself. And I think that's what's great now with this new generation. They're aware of themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're very sure why they're doing whatever. And it's beautiful. And it's beautiful. Uh... But at that era, it was, like, little lost girls running around. Like, <laughs> a lot of them in the Bronx Hall in Brooklyn, kids running around. And that was um, a period where I really, like, was able to just build my name up. Like, Avery's name was, like, Avery was known for dancing at that time. I've been dancing since I was four or five years old. So that was a time period of, like... Every every girl, she's a big girl, but she's gonna kill it. She gonna drop down in the split. She's gonna, you know, do everything that any other, other skinny girl is gonna do, and you know she gonna battle you, whatever. That was that period, so it was great. I got my my name out there, so it, I, I wouldn't consider myself popular, but it made me um, build that character, and people knew what I represented. And then now, as I'm older, and I'm dancing, or I'm I'm just having a good time at a party, or. I'm just being true to who I am now, it's it's even better because that made me who I was, but I'm also now aware of who I am. Like, I know who I am right now. Like, I know exactly what my purpose is, and I know that through dance I was able to make money, like, through, like, programs. Like, you know, like, $30 an hour just to teach dance. Like, you know, so I knew, like, as I got older, I, I grew into learning, like, okay, my skill sets can make me money. So I want to work for myself. So I have eventually figured it out. Like, okay, it's meant for me to be an entrepreneur. But I like to teach. I like to help people. I had to really sit down with myself on the couch. I was so down. Um, and I was just like, Avery, why are you here? Why You have to ask yourself that. Why are you here? What can you do without feeling like you're breaking a sweat easily? And I was like, oh, counsel people, help, teach. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to go through with this Department of Education thing just because it's a little little solid, a little something, something. But that's not what I want to do. But at least with the entrepreneur side, I still have the balance of what I like to do, which is a little bit of teaching, a little bit of entertainment. So I'm kind of merging the two later on down the line. Um, a few more years later, I have a, a plan that I'm working on. So get ready for that. But yeah, so that's what I think. I think as you get older you learn that this is why you're doing this and you are true to yourself now because there's nothing else that you can do. You gotta be true to yourself at this point. You know, you can't keep lying to yourself at 30, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep doing that. So it's you know, coming to the realization of what you're becoming. It's very important. So yeah. I think it's harder when you're younger because Sometimes you may not have guidance, excuse me, or you may not have people that are uh, paying attention to your movements as closely as you hope. So you may not get that proper mentorship that you need. Um, that's just for the, the the little lost black girls in urban communities. But there are times that you can come up out of that and find your mentorship. Go to a church. Go to programs. that's what I did. I had to go to different programs. I was dancing everywhere. I was singing everywhere. I was a part of, like, theater programs. So I was always involved in something to where that allowed me to, like, not be in that negative state all the time to learn myself amongst working with people, working in groups, learning how to record in the studio at, like, 12 years old. Like, all these little things were just little seeds that led me up to knowing who I am today. You know? So when you're younger, I think it's harder. Older, it's like, girl, you who you are. You, I'm done. Like I'm done
0: with you. Like you're who you are. I get it. Cool. So yeah. So what's one of the greatest lessons you've ever learned from another woman? That's a really good question. I love this question. I wish I had an answer
1: as quick as i like it. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um hmm. hmm. This is such a good question. You really did. I love this question. Um. Let's see. I'm trying to think back. Um. It, it, it would have to be from my older sister. She was dating somebody <laughs> in the music industry. And from there, I've learned, like, okay, do not date anybody in the music industry. <laughs> do not do it. Do not do it. Um, I can't even say she, who she was dating. I can't even say what was happening. We can throw this whole interview off. It'll be like, Avery got the tea. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, do not date anyone in the industry at all. I mean, if you do, it has to be, like, it's, It happened, like, gracefully and naturally. You just have that vibe. The chemistry's like, oh, irresistibly, just amazing. Yeah. Do it with that particular person. But don't just do it because you want a quick come up or you want to, there's no, you have to have morals in this business, dear black girl. Have morals in this business. Have respect for yourself because no man will respect that. um, They might respect that they had some fun with you, but. They're not respecting your work, so yeah. And not that my sister was like that off or anything like that. That wasn't the case. <laughs> he was definitely he's a great, beautiful person, but she has had a time where she was dating someone in the industry, and she wasn't even trying to be in entertainment. But I've learned from the conversations and the information that was shared that oh no, that's not what I want.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah,
1: like dating in the industry is like a no no. So that's, that's what I've. That's one thing that a lesson that I learned. Don't do it. Don't do it at all. Yeah, I mean, I had an ex-boyfriend in the industry, but the thing is what happened with me and him was we were friends before he even got in and before I even got in. Mm -hmm. It was like 15, 16, and we started, you know, getting to know each other. And then eventually he just got a gig being a producer somewhere. And later on, he started just making a lot of money doing what he loves. So we eventually kind of got into the game around the same time, but it wasn't like, I you was, guys met while already in it. Right. It wasn't like that. It wasn't forced. It was just like, I knew you from like back in the day. Like, you know, he was in band. I was in dance. Like, <laughs> it was just like regular music. That was some real love of hip hop. That's real love of hip hop <laughs> right there. You know, that's real love and hip hop stuff. But yeah, that's basically it. Like, I didn't force that. I wasn't, we're not together now. So yeah, I don't care about that. You know, it's not about that. It's about like really loving yourself, focusing on your career, focusing on putting your best foot forward because all you have is one life to live. And no man wants a female that's not um, stable at the end of the day. So I had to kind of work on all of those things in order to be the woman that I would want to give to any man, you know? So, So what do you want your legacy to be? Avery is always passionate, and that's what it has become. That's what everyone has been saying. So I figured, okay, there it is. That's my legacy. I'm not gonna sit here and like (laughs) try to make things up and try to say, well, I want to be on the. No, Avery's passionate in whatever she does. And it's something that is greater than anything else because it allows me to get through anything because people see the work. And when somebody sees the works and, and they can then eventually pass off that information to someone else you will always keep getting referrals. So referrals is life, especially when you're an entrepreneur. You need that referral money. So that's amazing. So, yeah, I think it's Avery's always passionate. He's why I'm passionate about dance, passionate about teaching, passionate about all these other things. So I think passion is something that um I want people to say that Avery's always been passionate.
0: So before we go, you mm-hmm. have to give us your Dear Black Girl open letter and sign it then. Ready?
1: Okay, so my... um. I'm gonna just go right right into it and explain it after. Um, dear black girl, you are strong, you are beautiful, although some some may think that you um that you are not or may think otherwise, your passion leads to your dreams, and your dreams shall come true. And that's as simple as it, it is for me. Um, I always was a poet growing up, so that's my thing. But um, yeah. I think that's just as simple as I wanted to be. I don't want anything more you know deeper than that. It's just you are beautiful, you are strong. um what you believe can happen, you can make it happen. anything is possible, and your dreams still shall come true. I get people contacting me all the time, like Avery, you know, I left the music industry. I went to just working in a hospital. How can I get back in how do i How do I get back in the game? like I feel like I've been gone for two four years. I'm like... I feel lost. I feel like this. And it's like, do what you want to do. Your dreams shall come true. And that's kind of how um, I, I thought about it. I got a call about that today. And that's how that came up. Because I was like, I'm I'm making my dreams come true. And a lot of people may be inspired by that. And I don't know that because I'm just like living my life. I'm like, oh, girl, I'm just trying to get through this one month, man, I got to pay rent. I got to help my mom. I got to do all these things. And I love what I do, but I got to make this into a business. I got to put my passion aside and still get into business or, or into Avery and just sign these and get these invoices going. And then you learn, like, you start becoming an inspiration. And that's what you want to be. You want to be an inspiration to the next black girl. You want to be able to show them that we can continue being the fastest growing women that are in business, because women are, like, you know, the fastest growing women that are opening businesses. So we're opening businesses. We're still providing jobs for our people. So this is great. And, um, yeah, I just feel like, as, as simple as it is, like, your dreams shall come true. Dear Black girl, your dreams will come true. Signed, Avery J. Watson.